This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It's a joy to be with you today on Know Your Bible, and we do appreciate your watching today. Today we want to continue discussing a subject that we uh, talked about in a previous lesson, and that is the Christian's hope. People all over the world are needing hope today. You think about people who live in some war-torn area of the world. Think about people who are starving to death today, and, and they're needing some kind of hope. You think people who are involved in, in things that have addict, caused them to become addicted to some substance, and, and they're needing some kind of hope today. People all over the world need some kind of hope. Today we want to talk about that as we continue to talk about hope, the anchor of the soul. Now I want to know your Bible. We're offering a free Bible correspondence course and I, I'd like to emphasize the fact that this course is free. There's no charge to you for the course and we're not going to send you a bill for the course. It's free. We just like to make this available to help you in your study of the Word of God. Now, in order that you might know a little bit more about the course, in order that you might know how to receive this Bible course, let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box, 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'd like to encourage you to call for the Bible course during the telecast today and, and enroll. We have thousands of people all over the world who are studying this free Bible correspondence course. We want you to have it. Now I want to call your attention to a passage in Hebrews the sixth chapter and I'm going to start reading with verse number 17. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us which hope we have as an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And that's reading from Hebrews, the sixth chapter, verse 17 through verse number 20. Yes, indeed, we do need hope today. Hope is an anchor for our souls. But the question is, wherein is hope found? In a previous lesson in looking at Hebrews chapter 6, 
We noted that our hope is to be found in the promise of God. God promised that He would bless all nations through the seed of Abraham, and the fulfillment of that promise was Christ, Galatians 3.16. And then our hope is to be found in God's oath. Not only did God make a promise, God confirmed that promise with an oath, or He guaranteed that promise with an oath. But then our hope is to be found in God's Son, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is entered into heaven itself, there to prepare a place for us. And if we stay anchored in Christ, then we have hope, life beyond this grave, beyond the grave. But wherein is our hope to be found? And let me suggest to you the reason that we have hope in Christ. Why can we say today that our hope is in Christ, that Christ is our hope? Number one is because of his death upon the cross of Calvary. The, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ is likely the most important event in all of human history. That's the only time in all of human history that a member of the Godhead died. Not God the Father, but God the Son died upon that cross. And this is the only time in all of human history that the Godhead was separated. While he was on the cross, Jesus cried and said, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? Why have you turned your back upon me? The Godhead was separated for a time. And this is the only time in all of human history that someone died, was buried, and was raised again, never to die again. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ, you see, is the central point in the history of mankind. When Jesus cried and said, It is finished. It is finished. Well, that marked the completion of a long chain of events that had taken place according to the divine guidance of God Almighty. And it was according to God's eternal purpose, Ephesians 3, 10 and 11. It was according to His determinate counsel and foreknowledge, Acts chapter 2 and verse 23. And so the death of Jesus Christ indeed is an important event in human history, the most important event in all of human history. And when Jesus Christ died upon that cross, Jesus died for sin. 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter and verse 21 says, He made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Jesus did not have sin. He did not sin. But Jesus became our sin substitute. He became our sin offering upon the cross of Calvary. And because of the death of Jesus Christ, we can have hope. Because of his death, we can have the forgiveness of our sins, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, according to the riches of his grace, Ephesians 1 and verse 7. Then in Ephesians, the second chapter in verse 13, the Bible again reads like this, But now in Christ Jesus... You who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. The only thing that can cause us to be close to God, near God, is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you see, we have hope because of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and because of His death upon the cross. Something that is unlovely, something that is ugly, can be made something lovely. It can be made something very beautiful. 
God can take a life that has been marred by sin, that has been corrupted by sin, and He can cleanse that person's soul of that sin and purge us of that sin and make us as white as snow and cleanse us by in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know? I'm no doubt speaking to someone right now who's really messed his, his or her life up. It may be that you've been involved in drinking or drugs or it may be some other thing that you've been involved in. I want you to know that God can take a life that has been marred and scarred by sin and make something beautiful out of it because He can forgive us our past and we can look forward to the new life that we have in Jesus Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is a, a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And, and then because of that shed blood, Friends, we have access to God Himself. Now, there are some things to which I have absolutely no access. I don't have access to the governor of, the, of our state. I, I don't have access to the president of the United States. I can't pick up the telephone and, and say, Well, George, how are you doing today? I don't have that kind of access. But I'll tell you something that's more thrilling I'll tell you something that's more important, and that is I have access to God. Let me read to you from Hebrews chapter 4, beginning in verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. And so Jesus Christ is passed into the heavens. And he is at night right now at the right hand of the throne of God. So the exhortation is, let's hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as are we yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly. Here's the access now. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Because of the death of Jesus Christ, you and I have access to God Himself. Not only do we have hope because of the death of Jesus Christ, we have hope because... Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. Why well, Paul in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, said, If in this life we have hope in Christ. If that's all the hope we have is, is what we have in this life, we are all of all men most miserable. But now Christ has been raised from the dead. And because of his resurrection, you and I do have hope in Christ. Through the ages, all people have had some, some anticipation, some idea about life to come. And there have been some distorted ideas about the future life. But it doesn't distort the idea nor nullify the idea that man does have some belief in a future life. Why, to the Indian, it was that he believed in the happy hunting ground. And for that reason, he would have his bow and his arrows buried with him. 
But, but you see, God made man in such a way as that all men have always believed and there's some life beyond the grave. That calls a question to be asked in Job 14 and verse 14. If a man dies, will he live again? Now, who is it that's going to answer that question? I can tell you that, that uh, certain religious leaders of this world are not going to be the answer to that question. Mohammed is not the answer to the question of if a man dies, will he live again? And, and Buddha is not the answer to that question. Mary Baker Eddy is not the answer to that question. Joseph Smith is not the answer to that question. Jesus Christ is the one who is the answer to that question. That if a man dies, will he live again? The Bible teaches that there will be a resurrection of the body. John 5, 28, our Lord said, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good to the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. So there's going to be a resurrection. And any person who goes home to heaven beyond the grave will go there because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And then because that individual accepts the doctrine of the resurrection gospel. And the fact is, Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. The evidence for his resurrection is, is irrefutable. First of all, there are the scriptures. The scriptures testify to his resurrection. In the Old Testament, in Psalms, the 16th chapter, in verse 10, David said, Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Peter quoted that on the day of Pentecost in the second chapter of Acts. When, and he quoted it in reference to what he had just said in verse 24 about Jesus being raised from the dead. And I want you to listen to Peter's inspired commentary on Psalm 16 and verse 10, found in Acts the second chapter in verse number 31. Because there he said, He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither did his flesh see corruption. Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. And that's what the scriptures teach. Why in Romans the first chapter in verse 4, listen to Paul, declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Because Jesus has been raised from the dead, I know that we too can be raised from the dead. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, in his resurrection. And there are the witnesses, some 11 different appearances of Jesus after his resurrection. And last of all, he was seen of the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number 8. And so all of these witnesses could not be wrong. On one occasion, he was seen of over 500 brethren at once. Or over 500 people going to testify to a lie. Are they going to say he was resurrected when in fact he really was not? Fact is, Jesus died on the cross. And Jesus was raised from the dead by the power of God. And because God had the power to raise him from the dead, 
I know that God will have the power to raise me from the dead, for you from the dead as well. So we can say with Paul, thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. But we also have hope because Jesus Christ is coming again. In Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 11, this is the way the Bible reads. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, te teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Now notice verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope and appearing of our great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. You see, right now we are looking for the coming of our Lord. And the very fact that Jesus Christ is coming again is the basis of our hope in Him. And the coming of Jesus is going to be a visible return. Every eye shall see Him, Revelation 1 and verse 7. According to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 through 18, His coming will be audible. He will come with a shout. He will come with the voice of an archangel. He will come with the trump of God. And the coming of Jesus Christ is going to be an unexpected return. He will come as a thief in the night. Thieves don't normally send you a letter and announcing that I'm going to be robbing your home. No, they come unexpectedly. And the, the return of Jesus will be like a thief in the night, unexpected. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse number 10. And the coming of Jesus Christ is unpredictable. You cannot predict when He will come. In Matthew 24, 36, Jesus said, Of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. And when Jesus Christ comes back, He's coming in glory. Matthew 25 and 31, When the Son of Man shall come in His glory and with His holy angels, then shall He sit upon the throne of his glory and so he's coming back in glory and when Jesus Christ returns he's coming for his own that he's coming back and those who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not proceed that is go before those who are asleep that is go before those who are in the grave but then we will be caught up together with Him in the air to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And Jesus Christ is coming back one day to receive us, to receive us. Listen to John 14 again. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again, and listen to him now, and receive you unto myself. When our Lord comes back, he's going to receive us unto himself. He's going to receive us to his own unto himself. And folks, that's our hope today. 
not only that Jesus died, that he was resurrected, but our hope is to be found in the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back someday. And I need to live every day as though that were the day. My constant prayer ought to be that of Revelation 22 and verse 20. Even so, come Lord Jesus. But our hope also is to be found in the fact that Jesus has prepared a place for us. He said, I go to prepare a place. If I go to prepare a place, I'll come and receive you unto myself. A prepared place for prepared people. Are you prepared? Are you ready? I believe heaven is real. I believe it's real because the soul of man has always longed for a place like that. There's always been that desire within a man for a, for a, a, a land fairer than day. And I believe that heaven is real because the, the justice demands that there be a place called heaven. Things are not right in this world. They never have been. They never will be right. And for God to be a just God, in which incidentally he is a just God, God must punish those who are evildoers and he must reward those who serve him faithfully. And I believe heaven is real because we're not adapted to stay in this world long. There's an outward man, an inward man, according to Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 and following. And what you see of me right now is the outward man. You don't see the inward man. But the inward man is as real as the outward man. And I'm not adapted to stay in this world. The very fact that we're all growing older day by day and eventually are going to leave this world tells me that there must be a place for, for the soul of man. But I'll tell you the main reason I believe in heaven is that's because the book that I hold in my hand tells me that heaven is real. It tells me that there remaineth a rest of the people of God. It tells me that Abraham looked for a city which hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. Paul said we know that if there's the earthly house of our tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. The Bible teaches over and over and over again that heaven is real and I want to go to heaven. When the Christian dies, they die with hope in their heart that just as soon as the breath leaves their body, they're going to be with the Lord. Paul in Philippians 1.21 wrote, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Gain. Philippians 1.23, he said, I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to part and be with Christ, which is far better. It's far better to die and be with the Lord. And so when we are absent from this body, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul said we are at home or we are present with the Lord. What hope. What hope we have, blessed hope we have. Psalms 116 and verse 15 gives us a perspective on death. That is the death of one of God's saints. Precious in the sight of the Lord 
is the death of his saints. We wonder sometimes what, what it's like to lose somebody. Well, there are many of us who know what it's like to lose a relative. We know what it's like to lose someone that we love. Many of you who are watching understand that. But what's God's viewpoint? That's God's viewpoint. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. And that's the way that God feels. That's God's viewpoint. Paul came to the close of his life and he had been a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And he said, I have fought a good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day and not to me only, but unto all of them that love his appearing. You see, that's hope, isn't it? What hope do you have today beyond this life? What hope do you have right now that when you die, that you're going to be with the Lord. I want you to have that hope, that blessed hope. Jesus is our forerunner. That word forerunner in Hebrews 6.20 literally means he's our scout, the one who's gone ahead and scouted out the territory for us. And Jesus Christ is waiting on us to come home and be with him forevermore. I don't want him to be disappointed to you. I want to go to heaven more than any other thing, but I want other people to go to heaven. I want you to go to heaven. And would you not believe in Jesus with all of your heart? Repent of all of your sins, your past sins, and be willing to confess that you believe Jesus is the Christ. And then you can be baptized into Christ for the remission of those sins. And then you can live the faithful Christian life thereafter. When it comes your time to leave this old world, you have hope. Someone wrote these lines, The stars shine over the earth, the stars shine over the sea. The stars look up to God, the stars look down on me. The stars live for a million years, a million years in a day. But God and I will live in love when the stars have passed away. That's the hope that you and I have in Jesus. And in the closing moments of our telecast today, I urge you to call for the free Bible correspondence course that you might learn how to have that hope. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible Correspondence Course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 
1-877-711-5214. This is a free call. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.